been meaning to, <laughs> been meaning to do this for the last two weeks. So finally managed to find some time to get this done. So those of you who've been uh, following me on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, the other social medias uh, that I use will know that from the 5th of December to the 5th of January, um, as part of the documentary, uh, then we set a challenge to say, okay, no social media for a month and even moving from smartphones to phones and those uh, involved who couldn't commit to no social media we had them on a no scroll policy where you couldn't scroll through instagram you couldn't scroll through facebook if somebody messaged if you're worried about people messaging on facebook you're only allowed to use facebook Messenger. and uh, we got some really really good um interesting feedback um, from the participants which you'll see uh, in the documentary uh, and that was live later on today. My own personal experience, I'm not a digital native, obviously. I'm 40 years old. I was born in 1978. I didn't have a smartphone until maybe 2011. I didn't see the point of them. Um, and didn't, didn't like them, didn't like seeing people walk around with their heads buried in them. So I just kept using a Nokia, uh, an old Nokia, until I think it probably was 2000. And, 12 when I uh, eventually succumbed and, and got my first iPhone. So I work online and the um, given wisdom in the internet marketing world is you must be on social media because it's all about engaging with an audience, engaging with your client. So I was like, oh, well, I guess it's part of my job. I guess I need to be in there. And so I found that I was using social media a lot um, and then it got to the point where I wasn't just making posts on Instagram and, and doing Instagram lives and talking to people I was actually scrolling through Instagram and then I would find myself scrolling through Facebook and eventually I got to the point where I was like I think I'm using these in an addictive way in a way that looks like an addiction so if I was in traffic if I was like in an Uber, like I was driving, um, or if I was in a queue, or if I was, you know, waiting for something, anything where there was no stimulation coming in, instead of just sitting with my own thoughts and thinking or making plans or whatever, I put my phone out and start scrolling, just like everybody else does. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I noticed that if I didn't have my phone near me, I would become anxious. Um, Oddly enough, through just a coincidence and a, a weird sequence of events, whilst we were still filming, um, then we were in the final phases of filming, the night that we were doing the final group interview for Plugged In, I was here in this office in the Liverpool Science Park with Richard Willett, and he'd forgotten like a plug or something for one of the cameras, and he had to go back across Liverpool at five o'clock at night, which is a nightmare, across Liverpool to uh, Water Street by the Liver buildings to then come back here again. He didn't have Uber set up, so I gave him my phone. And it was the first time I've been without my phone at all. I couldn't remember. I couldn't even tell you, oh, it was two years ago. Oh, it was three years ago. It's like, I don't remember not having my phone on me at all in the last few years. So I gave it to him. And um, tables in this office are glass, they're glass tables, and light reflects on them. So he leaves and I'm, I've got a pen and a piece of paper. I'm making notes about what I'm going to ask the people for the group crossing the interview. As I'm rocking forwards and backwards, light from ahead here, overhead here, is reflecting on the glass. 
at one point it flashed and it looked like my screen had come on on my phone, but my smartphone wasn't here. I responded to it as though it was my phone and my hand was reaching to grab it before I could consciously think. And I was like, that's not your phone. <laughs> that's light reflecting on glass. As soon as it glowed up, I was like, respond now. This goes beyond addiction. That's a conditioned response. When, uh, when you saw the Sam Vaknin interview um, about the hidden toxicity of social media, you will have heard Sam say, listen, we know how to treat addiction, but conditioning is much, much harder to treat. And this response that we have to social media and our use of a smartphone, the conditioned response, not an addictive one. Conditioning takes much, much, much longer to undo, and it's a much bigger problem. When I was reaching for my phone, my phone, which didn't exist, it was just light on glass, so it was reflecting whilst I was writing, which I never do anymore because my handwriting is terrible now, I just don't write. Um, my internals, I laughed because I was like, oh, I was reaching for a phone that isn't there. That's how badly I'm missing my phone. I'm seeing the ghost of my phone. I'm like, oh, I can see it everywhere because I'm in this attachment trauma. I'm in abandonment anxiety. <laughs> Where's my phone? Um, the state that I was in, when I noticed the emotional state I was in, I didn't feel um, particularly good. I felt agitated. I felt um, anxious. And the response that I had wasn't um, a choice. It was a necessity. It was like, I need to do something. Oh my God, my phone's going off. It's like a baby crying. So my phone's going off. I must do something about it immediately. With my right hand, I put my pen down, stop writing the questions for the interview I know I've got to do which is really important, pick up my phone, which is, just happens to be the screen flashing, which could be anything. It could be like one of my mates on, on WhatsApp sending me a funny meme or, you know, it could be anything. It could be an alarm that I set for something I need to do yesterday. But it was this agitated state that I went into and my automatic response to something that was not there bothered me. So I said, okay, I'm going to do a month off. Um, the... Research that has recently come out of the University of Pennsylvania uh, said that there was, a, without a doubt, a positive correlation amongst young people between diminished social media usage and improved mental health. And they said, I think the suggestion was it would take like four or five days to see positive effects. So I switched off Facebook. Um, I deactivated my Facebook, deactivated Instagram, deleted the apps from the smartphone, so I couldn't be tempted to go in there. I'd have to consciously download them, which I'm not going to do. And um, held my breath because I was like, oh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be uncomfortable. Painless. Totally painless. Not only did I not miss it at all. Um, oh, sorry, that's not true. That's not true. There was this moment of missing scrolling through stuff. Sometimes when I'd be in a social situation, which reminded me of smoking. Like I used to smoke. And there were, there were I, I, obviously, you know, I was a master NLP practitioner who's addicted to smoking. I was like, I can't. It's crazy. You can't do that. So I'd identify trigger moments. Um, and trigger moments for me was like I used to go out a lot more to bars and clubs. And we could smoke in bars and clubs. And if I went to a place where there was any social anxiety at all about being in that place, especially if there was alcohol there, I would smoke. Smoking went with coffee and smoking went with alcohol and smoking went with me being out in a public place. And I'd say I turned up too early or my friends are late and I'm there on my own and I felt some social anxiety, I would smoke. Maybe as a mask, 
maybe there's a cloud, maybe there's something to do, just pass the time, whatever. If I would identify those things, I'd be like, ooh, at those moments, I want to smoke. These are the moments that I need to be careful of. When you're doing hypnosis, obviously, you've got to visualize being in those moments and not doing the smoking, doing some other positive behavior that replaces it. That's, you know, helpful, confidence building or life affirming or whatever it is. So with this, I noticed that when I was um, in the same situations, if I'm bored, if comes down to this if you're bored or you're lonely or you're not being stimulated you'll reach for your phone i was like ah boredom and loneliness right that's interesting what are we doing then so we're sort of trying to self-medicate with a deep fast dopamine hit against feeling bad momentarily just for like 15 seconds so what 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 can you do in that space i was like my brain goes it's sad that you're even asking what to do on your own like I was doing I was in Zen meditation when I was 15 and 16 years old. I sat there doing Zen meditation after the Aikido classes. And, you know, uh, later I was doing, like, I got more into uh, it was, uh, chanting. It was the uh, Hindu chanting for a couple of years. And I was into meditation, chanting, visualization. Then I'm like, if I regressed in some way, why can I not just sit here and just be in the moment, one, if you can't just be in the moment, tons of like disciplines, exercises that you've learned over the years, just do that instead. So I, I figured that out and I was like, okay, now I feel okay. So I did miss it. I said I didn't miss it. I didn't miss Facebook and I didn't miss Instagram. I missed scrolling. I missed just like looking for stuff. What am I looking for? A good MMA highlight clip, simulation, something that is funny, uh, like, you know, uh, momentarily, fun, or something that's cute, like a, a, a husky puppy falling asleep and farting and waking itself up, or something. You know, just puerile, and that's the word that came to mind. Is puerile. Um, I think it. I think it's from Latin puris, which I think means of of boys, of, of kids, the kind of thing kids would do. Puerile. It's a good word, and it came up a lot when I was thinking about my own experience of coming off social media. Didn't miss Facebook. Didn't miss Instagram. Possibly, though, because there's a firewall there between me personally and my business, and me personally and my online avatar. So my online avatar isn't really me. I'm only on Facebook and Instagram for business purposes because internet marketing guru said, this is what you need to do. And I went, okay, and followed along. It's not true, by the way. I'll get that another day. If you're an entrepreneur and you're into online marketing, the whole thing of social media being essential worth a good review it's probably one social medium that is appropriate for your business if any and it might and it, you know two that i would now say as i just said i'm not going to get into it but my but now i'm into it youtube podcasting probably no need to be anywhere else um depending on what you do like if you're in the fashion industry you probably should be on pinterest and Tumblr. if you're a dancer you probably should be on instagram because as i understand it from one of the uh, the young people I interviewed in here, she said, she's a lipper, she's a dancer. She said, you know, like prospective people who are going to employ us will look at our Instagram. And I go, okay, that makes sense. So there's a fire break between me personally, the actual real me, and my online persona, my business avatar. So I can't be too smug about not missing it. I'll tell you the benefits that occurred. Right? Like almost straight away, maybe within a day. The big thing that I would say is I started to think about the social media world as being puerile. 
childlike. Uh, Sam Backman said that during the interview. I didn't catch it that well at the time. I saw it on playback when Richard Willett pulled it out, uh, the director of the Plugged In documentary, and showed it to me. And Sam says, um, uh, it's an infantilizing medium. You have friends. You friend them or unfriend them. You like or dislike them. You either like me or you don't like me. You friend me or you defriend me. It's binary. It's binary. It's primary. It's infantile. It's puerile. So the first major positive things I noticed on a social media blackout was my self-respect improved. And that was the language that came out of the unconscious. I was like, I'm feeling differently. What is it I'm feeling right now? I feel more self-respect. Why? What's so bad? What's so flipping bad about scrolling through Facebook? What's so flipping bad about scrolling through Instagram? And then I was like, well, for a start, it's not really for you. It's kind of like watching kids' cartoons. It's not, it's not designed, it wasn't designed by you, and it's not designed for you. And the people whose material you're watching, they don't have the same objectives, ambitions, and goals as you. They don't have the same experiences as you. They don't have the same priorities as you. You're living in their world. Um, the theme uh, for the um, documentary that you'll hear playing in the credits is a song by Robin Kelly called Somebody Else's Dream, uh, which you can look up. I think Richard Willett has now done a music video uh, for that. And the lyrics are all around the idea of being plunging yourself, willingly or unwillingly, consciously or unconsciously, because conditioning is non-conscious, of course, into somebody else's reality that you didn't choose. You don't choose the content. You don't choose what's there. So I noticed my self-respect went up. A few days later, I then noticed my um, capacity to concentrate single-mindedly improved. I didn't realize how fractured my consciousness has become. So it's infantilizing. I think it induces an ADHD, adrenophile, poppy, jumping around from thing to thing mode interacting with the world and my consciousness started to go slow and steady i could hold an idea in my mind for much much longer i didn't know i had that problem. i didn't know it'd gone away i didn't I'd, i had no idea that like my, my capacity to think things through was fractured what did i do i started reading like real books and really enjoying them and then just sitting there and thinking about what i read and then i started writing and i haven't written uh, I'm creative writing. I was doing creative writing and I was, I was writing poetry. I was like, oh, that's, that's never really been a thing for me. Maybe a couple of times when I was in my late teens, you know, full, full of angst and stuff. But I started writing poetry, like obsessively, and going back to it and correcting it and making it prettier and going, oh, that word, too flowery. It could move here. Oh, that's much nicer. And I was like cultivating these like verses. I'm going, I, Never before, never before in my adult life have I done that. Never. Never been a time in my life. I'll tell you something. It was an enormously beneficial exercise for me personally. You can ask me to share it because it's really dark. It's fucking super dark. Nasty stuff. It made me feel good. It was like um, uh, pulling splinters out that had gone septic. Where that was pulled out afterwards, it just felt really, really good. I was like, wow, I actually had something in me that I wasn't even aware of, and I've and I've healed it using this methodology. It's not even psychology. Amazing experience. 
really, really amazing experience. And then the month was up. And uh, I was like, okay, well, the month is up now. So the fifth or sixth, I, I think I left it a couple of days because I was busy with the photography. I was a bit late getting back on. I went back on Instagram. Um, I went back on Facebook. Just loading the apps made me feel, because obviously I'm going, okay, I know I have to do this. I know I'm going to do a video. So I'm super hyper vigilant. And I'm like, what the emotional literacy? I'm like, what's the emotion I'm feeling right now? I felt anxious loading the app. Oh, I felt dirty loading them up. It felt weird. It felt like, um, it felt, again, puerile is the word, corrupting, not in like this. Silly, silly thing to do, like a waste of time. I'm like, this is a fucking waste of human energy right now. I'm loading them up. I load up Instagram. I load up Facebook. I'd only done four weeks off. I'd only done four weeks off. So the predominant mode of community, it's Christmas time. So it's family time and I'm around people all the time, all of Christmas, um, which is, I find that tiring. Everybody, everybody laughs. Everybody, everybody was like laughing, going, "You're gonna, you're gonna disappear for a week after Christmas." I you? I went to uh, Lisbon and then I went to Gran Canaria. It was great. I spent time on my own. You sort of I just need to do that. If I spend a lot of time around people, I need to take time out. I enjoyed it. I had a really, really good time. I was only talking to people face to face, and you get used to like normal adult interaction that's face to face. Instagram. Right away, I read my personal messages. Facebook, I'm reading the way people are speaking to each other. And it was shocking to the point, I've only been out of it for four weeks, the point of being actually something that made me feel disturbed and uncomfortable for 24 hours. How incredibly rude people were being to me, to each other. I'm like, these are adults. These are adult human beings. These are human beings who've produced other human beings. They're like the parents of people. The level of aggression jumped out at me on the screen. It shocked me. I was like, wow, what have I done? I must have like really, really up. What is, where's this aggression coming from? Where is this white hot level of hostility coming from? How did I let myself get to a point where I'd hyper-normalized it to think it was normal? Hyper-normalized aggression and, and hostility online to the point where people speaking to me like I'm a piece of shit on their shoe. I'm like, oh, it's the internet. That's just how people talk to each other. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what the medium is. I don't care. Nobody, you can't talk to people like that. That's crazy. Crazy, and and the way it was wasn't even personal. That's just how people talk to each other online now. Awful, no, not everybody, and certainly not the majority. It was like it was too much. It was like thirty to forty percent of the communication I was getting was outrageously hostile. Puerile again. I walked away from it. I, I. By the way, I've turned it off. Instagram and Facebook, I've turned it off. And, and like people are going, oh, so the social media blackout really worked and you really liked it and you're extending it. I'm like, yeah, it worked and I liked it. And I saw the positives of not being on social media. The negative, like I'm not on there because I don't want to expose myself to that fucking shit show. It's awful. It's painful. 
But then um, a couple of things happen. I was like walking away from it and I'm like, what's happening here? Because people are saying there's this rise in cost of personality disorders and there's this this problem online and people behave in a very cluster B way online. I started to think about a couple of things. Okay, so you have purility and, and infantile-ness. And you have massive amounts of reaction-seeking behavior. That's what social media is designed for. You do something, you put a picture up of it, and then you get a response. That is negative, that is positive, it's a response. You're looking for reactions. Who are the social media influencers? The people who get the most and the strongest responses online. That's why horrendous human beings are, not all social media influencers are, are horrendous human beings, many horrendous human beings become major social media influencers because they're master manipulators who are very good at reaction-seeking communication. But it's not just in what people post in terms of pictures and videos, it's also in the comments. And the stronger my comment is, the stronger my personal, my DM to you is, the more chance I have of getting a response. And the, the social media is training me, I must get a response because if I don't get a response, I don't exist. So actually, not in the facile way um, only of the superficial way is to go, okay, well, you're taking pictures of yourself and the whole thing is just about you. So, of course, it's going to generate uh, cluster B personality disordered response. It's going to encourage it. But, uh, that's at the, the, I said facile. I should have said superficial. That's at the superficial level. At the first blush, you go, really, it's uh, the mode of staring into a mirror. There's even that show by Charlie Brooker called Mirror, which is, you know, about mirror that is the smartphone that we stare into, we stare into the abyss. The structural level, if you are being conditioned unconsciously to engage in reaction-seeking behavior, you have the very definitions of a core structure of a, a cost to be personality. How do I get responses from others? Not through um, offering value or service or kindness or empathy. Who cares? That's not the easiest way of getting it done. It's a much more criminal mindset. It's like... Um, the you know the kid who's raised in an environment with a disinterested mother and an absent father everybody around him is criminal wants to be significant what's he going to do he craves significance he craves uh, a need to be recognized what's the easiest way of doing it join a gang put a gun on somebody put it in their face and then go give us your money because now i'm significant and if you give me your money and i kill you afterwards now i have a reputation and so you go well that's line how to build a criminal. Obviously, this is not happening with social media, but the mentality is the same. It's an environment in which only the most savage, the most hostile, the most aggressive are being rewarded. Who benefits from you being empathic and calm and, and kind? Nobody. Well, you don't. Like you literally, the system will not reward you for that. So I just said, I'm not, I'm not feeding that. I'm not feeding something that fractures people's attention which it does, which is really bad, that stops people from looking at each other. Look at other humans. Look at them. Powerful. They want, they want you to look at them. They want you to hear them. They want you to talk to them without doing this. Sorry, what are you saying? Oh, your boyfriend broke your heart. Yeah. No, I just saw these really beautiful dresses on Pinterest. How am I supposed to share with you? How am I supposed to be like, vulnerable and intimate with you when you've got one eye on, on the fucking screen? How are you? Like some, some of the uh, people I interviewed, they said, yeah, I do that too. 
And even as they're sharing something of intimate intimacy with the other person, they're scrolling, the person they're sharing with is scrolling, and the person sharing is also scrolling. That's, that's probably not a great way of building trust and rapport, you know. So conscious consciousness distances people from each other and creates this extremely malignant, um, malevolent, aggressive um, propensity towards reaction-seeking communication that is enormously hostile. Because the more hostile I am, the more of reaction I'm going to get. And the only thing that matters in this environment is reactions. That's all likes and follows are reactions. So you're being conditioned into reaction-seeking communication. Will I ever go back on Instagram? At this point, I really don't know. Um, I think YouTube is a, is a form of social media. It trains me and I train it. I train myself in using it. I can't do anything here but offer value. If I come on here and I start, I don't know, in a dick or coming off, people just unsubscribe and leave. So, you know, format works for me. It works for what I do. I can't. I could scroll. I guess I could scroll through YouTube videos, but I tend not to. That's, that just isn't a thing that has happened. And plus, what I've been doing, what I've been saying to other people, and what I've said to myself is limit screen time and no scroll. No scroll. It's like a, it's a simple rule. Just don't scroll. If you've got to answer something, if there's somebody you get of value, are you offering something of value? Are you receiving something of value? Okay, fine. I'm not going to sit here and say to people, switch off your smartphone, dump all social media because nobody would listen even if I did say that. Same for me personally. What did Sam, Sam, Sam uh, mention something? He said um, social media, especially Facebook and Instagram. You know where you have, where, they, where the, the, the big thing in the environment, the likes and follows. That's dangerous because you have something called relative social positioning. And if you fail at that game, you will be shamed. You, you are shamed by the, not even by people who are like, ha ha, nobody's looking at yourself. The medium itself shames you. Because you can see through relative social positioning that other people are getting more of a response than you are. So it induces a lot of feelings of, of toxic shame. Relative social positioning, the liking, the following and all that, it's poisonous for me. Generation X, born in 78, not a digital native. I cannot, it's hard for me to begin to imagine the effect it's having on somebody who has a smartphone in their hand. Somebody who's born after 1994 and they would have had a smartphone in their hand by the time they're 12 years old and they're because rel relative social positioning relative social positioning is the obsession of teenagers that's natural that's that's the time for relative social positioning we used to do stuff everybody did this as teens in the real world is now being done online it's kind of like i think this is when i'm saying puerile that's what I mean. I don't want to spend, I wouldn't sit there and watch a TV series that is designed for teenagers. I wouldn't. Boring. I'm not. Facebook and Instagram has this teen adolescent thing on it, weaponized, uh, accelerated, magnified. It puts you into that mindset. Why is everybody talking to each other like a stroppy, hormonal, grumpy? A team with no manners on the internet because that's what it's conditioning you to 
to act like and think like. It's literally, am I using the word literally correctly? I think I am. I think it's literally putting your consciousness into the mindset of the stroppy, grumpy pain. Where's the stroppiness and the grumpiness coming from? This environment, it's not that your parents are telling you you can't go out. The droppiness and the grumpiness is coming from nobody's listening to me. It's clear as anything. You can, you, 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 you off the screen. People are so frustrated, they're not being heard, they're not being listened to. I don't want to be in that echo chamber, man. I can't carry that around in my pocket. I don't want to come home after going to the gym and then I go on the couch and then I pull it out of my pocket. And a person who doesn't know me doesn't need really to be speaking to me, be screaming at me from this close, from as close as I can hold the screen to my face. That's not smart. I shouldn't let that person have that level of act. Like I'm on the couch, finished at the gym, I'm chilling out, nearly time for bed. Ah, you know, some crazy stranger is yelling at me. <laughs> doesn't feel good. You know, we're more sensitive than that. We're more, we're particularly sensitive to uh, relative social positioning and, and, Dropping down a hierarchical uh, structure. It doesn't feel good, even if it's only symbolic. So that was my experience. Um, I think it's very, very, very poisonous. That's my humble opinion. Other people say, no, it's it's fine. You just need to moderate it. I think in and of itself, the infrastructure, the core infrastructure is truly toxic. And uh, I would just say, hey, try it. Come off it for four weeks and see how you feel. See how you feel when you come off it, see if you feel less anxious, if you feel less depressed, less uh, uh, um, uh, pessimistic about the course of your life or your position in life, see how you feel, try it for yourself, okay? Thank you for your time, your attention, which is all social media is trying to harvest according to Executive Director, Mr. Sean Parker. He has said it openly and explicitly. The material, the medium is designed to harvest as much of your time and attention as possible. These are your two most precious resources. Thank you for spending some of them with me. Um, make sure you're very guarded in the future about where you continue to spend your time and your attention. Thank you.